athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. What Ruiz can do right here. 52 yards, snap, hold, kick is up. It's got the distance! It's good! It's good! He made it! It's good! It's win! No way! Ruiz with the 52-yard goal after he missed from 43 and 39 yards. Is there any doubt that you're locked into the Dopey Show on radio from the press box to press row? I am your host, Donald Ware. That was yours truly on the Aggie Sports Radio Network. A&T, the defending, two-time defending HBCU National Champions, opened the season with a thrilling 24-21 victory over Elon at home. And Noel Ruiz with the 52-yard field goal as time expired propelled the Aggies to victory. It was, in fact, an outstanding football game. We got a whole lot to get to on today's program. We have some unfinished business In terms of taking a look at the CIAA and the SIAC previewing both conferences as seasons open. Some seasons opened up last week, for instance. Morehouse opened up last week in that that football game in Canton, Ohio against Alabama A&M falling to the Bulldogs 35-30. That was a really good football game, one in which Morehouse was in position to win. We had some games on Thursday as well. Got a a slate of games to preview this weekend. Got a slate of games to talk about that happened on last uh, weekend, really. Um, HBCU football season opened up with a bang. And I say that because, generally speaking, when you're talking about the first weekend of HBCU football, you're generally talking about a lot of those money games and you're talking about teams that really get beat down. Yeah, they get, you know, $500,000 checks, $800,000 checks and all of that, but they take a, a, a true beating. And we, we saw that um, from a couple of teams, and we talked about that on last week's program um, on Thursday. But you also saw some teams that hung in there against FBS opponents. You saw where Alabama State had its opportunities to win that game against UAB and fell in that game 24 to 19. You saw even you know may you may say 39 to 7 is a big score TCU over Arkansas Pine Bluff, but if you really dive into what happened in that football game, TCU kicked six field goals in that game. And you're talking about a TCU program that's part of the Big 12, Arkansas Pine Bluff going up against TCU, you know, Grambling lost um third was it 38 to 9 um to louisiana tech 
So, you know, some respectable football games by um, FCS schools against some of the FBS schools. But probably the biggest win of the weekend was South Carolina State's victory over Wofford. Wofford came into that football game ranked number eight in the country. And South Carolina State defeated Wofford 28-13. to Kudos to the Bulldogs. Kudos to Buddy Pugh. I had a chance to ask him at the MEAC Media Day. You know, it, it, when you went back a year ago, he was all set to retire at the end of the season. I asked him about it at the Media Day. He said, I wanted to come back because I felt like, you know, we finished strong. We had a good football team. And they have a good football team. Not only offensively, but defensively as well. They got a really good football team into um, you know, listen, uh, to hold Wofford to 13 points, the number eight ranked team in the country. I mean, that was as big a win as A&T's win was last year against Jacksonville State. Very, very similar. And I would say more so because South Carolina State was coming off a, a, a subpar 2018 season, although they won for the last five. They finished the season with a losing record. And so to be able to come out and beat a, a, a the number eight ranked team um, is pretty big time um, for South Carolina State. So give them a lot of credit. The other reason why I say that we get off to a really good start with the HBCU football season, because if you look at the box to row coaches and media polls, seven of the schools in the polls are one and oh or won games last week. Generally speaking, at the most, if I if I look back over any number of years, maybe five teams won a game that past weekend. Generally speaking, it's like three or four. But this time around, seven of the teams won games on last weekend. So the HBCU football season got off to a pretty good start. Got a lot to get to on today's program. As I mentioned, some CIAA and SIAC talk. This is just a great time of year. Just a wonderful, I mean, just, you know, college, you know, college football and the National Football League uh, merging. This is the week the National Football League opens. We already had the game, the Packers and the Bears. May talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. As a matter of fact, speaking of National Football League, Jarrett Bell, NFL columnist with USA Today, is going to join us on the program. I want to talk with him about the Ezekiel Elliott contract, six years, $90 million, $50 million of those dollars guaranteed. We talked about that about a month ago in terms of Ezekiel Elliott. Um, would he sign? When would he sign? Did he deserve to get paid? As I said at that time, I thought he did. I didn't necessarily think that Dak, Dak Prescott was that good and that they needed Elliott um, badly, really, if they wanted to be able to make the run that they think they can make this year. I mean, the Cowboys have a good team um, without Elliott, um, and that, that offense is, is, uh, is okay. You know, it, it, it's okay. So, you know, I want to talk with Jarrett Bell about that amongst some other things. He's going to join us a little bit later on, on the program. Also joining us today here on from the press box to press row, the national football leagues, defensive rookie of the year, former two time box to row, Willie Davis, defensive player of the year, Darius Leonard, and this is going to be a replay of an interview that uh, I had with Darius a couple of weeks back. It was actually before Andrew Luck um, decided to retire. And uh, so we obviously didn't talk about Andrew Luck. I did ask him about Luck and, and sort of how his injury was progressing. Um, you know, a week later, he re- which was last week, 
he ultimately retires from the National Football League. Talked about that on last weekend on our show on HUR Voices, Sirius XM Channel 141. Last weekend, as a matter of fact, got the thoughts of former National Football League quarterback Jay Cutler, who joined us on last week, uh, last Saturday, as a matter of fact, on HUR Voices. So a lot to get to on today's program. Join us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. A couple of ways you can do that. Hit us up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. While you're there, follow us on Twitter. Also on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to all of the wonderful affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row, for instance, in Albany. Georgia, W-A-S-U, carries us, uh, has been carrying us probably, I think, you know, maybe 12 years or so, seems like, uh, you know, 11 or 12 years, um, W-A-S-U has been carrying us. How about Buzz Sports Radio? They're in the uh, Durham and Raleigh area, Hot 97.9 out of Raleigh, um, carries us as well. Just some great radio stations around the country. Um, Even if you look at uh, Rejoice 103.5, uh, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And by the way, I hope everyone, um, you know, we, we've had the terrible storm, um, Dorian, that, you know, hit uh, hit the coast in South Carolina, hit our coast here where, uh, where we are in our state of North Carolina, kept on uh, moving up the coast. And uh, so I hope, you know, a, a lot of you um, uh, were safe during that time and, and continued prayers um, for those affected by Hurricane Dorian, um, particularly those in the Bahamas. I mean, wow, the Bahamas got absolutely hammered. Um, and so our thoughts and prayers are though with those that are affected or have been affected by Dorian. Of course, I want to thank those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142. And those that listen to us around the world at Botched to Row. Dot com. Um, let me do this. I want to I want to preview um, a, a game. And again, some National Football League talk a little bit later on. Uh, USA Today NFL columnist Jarrett Bell going to join us. Darius Leonard of the Indianapolis Colts going to join us on the program as well. The the, the box to row national game of the week um, is the in, is the game uh, between Arkansas Pine Bluff and Alabama A&M. That game is going to be played in Huntsville. It's to me a pivotal game for both teams. I mean, you know, I talked a little bit about both teams and their uh, the win by Alabama A&M and how they won and then the loss by Arkansas Pine Bluff to TCU and how it all happened. And to me, even though it's early in the season, this is a SWAC game. Um, it's an intra-divisional game within the SWAC. Um, you've heard me say on this program and on our HBCU football daily podcast that to me, you could easily argue or I could make an argument that I think Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, could be a top three team in the SWAC's Western Division. Hard for me to do that because Southern is the defending champs. Um, you know, Prairie View A&M got off to a, a, a good start, a good win over Texas Southern. Dewanya Tucker, the running back, boy, 298 yards, uh, a multi-purpose yards in that game. Um, and then also with Grambling, I think Grambling's going to be 
really, really good. But if you look at what you look at Taylor Porter coming back, you look at the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and then the defense. Again, TCU with six field goals in that football game um, scored in their first two possessions. Then the next three possessions, you had a situation where Arkansas Pine Bluff forced TCU to punt the football. Uh, so I think they played, even though they lost, played well. If I look at Alabama A&M, they were dusting Morehouse. Morehouse came back. Five turnovers by Alabama A&M. They had to win it with three seconds remaining in the ball game. Aquil Glass, you know, uh, almost 400 yards passing, four touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions. Connell Maynard w- wasn't necessarily pleased with the way that he played. So you're having uh, two teams that are meeting in the middle, um, whereas one played a Division II opponent, the other played a um, an FBS opponent. Pivotal game for both. I gave my prediction on who I think would win this game. Go to our HBCU Football Daily podcast to hear that. We got more from the press box to press row on the other side. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. The biggest names are guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, uh, we've been through a lot as a team. And I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused. Yeah, and I was really um, ready and serious. Just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Brought out the pink Lamborghini just to race. Say it ain't so. Nicki Minaj says she's retiring. Say it ain't so. She wants to start a family. I don't blame her. She goes out on top as one of the greatest to ever, ever do it. And the thing about it, um, particularly a lot of times, especially in the past, we haven't seen, you know, it, it was almost like the rap game would only allow for one female to shine, which is very unfortunate. I mean, we've seen some shine at the same time. You can go back, you know, to the days, you know, of MC Light, Queen Latifah, Salt and Pepper. Um, you can go back a little bit more recently. Um, Lil' Kim, Foxy Brown, Eve all shine. But more recently, you know, you have... Uh, Cardi B, you know, Nicki Minaj, um, you got Megan the Stallion, who's very big. So, you know, the rap game, particularly on the female side, uh, is healthy, even without Nicki Minaj. Um, you know, quite frankly, who may be um, the maybe the greatest goes out on top, maybe the greatest female rapper uh, to ever do it. Still to come here on the program, we're going to talk. Some National Football League with USA Today NFL columnist Jarrett Bell here on the program. Want to get his thoughts on the signing of Ezekiel Elliott, six years, $90 million, $50 million guaranteed, and some other things uh, going on in the National Football League. Also still to come, Indianapolis Colts linebacker 
Darius Leonard, the National Football League Defensive Player of the Year. Last year, going to join us on the program. Let's talk some CIAA and some SIAC here on the program. As the bulk of the CIAA and SIAC games going to be played on Saturday, Saturday, let's start with the CIAA. Uh, you know, Bowie State, the defending CIAA champions. I mean, I'm not, you know, in terms of picks, and let's start with the Northern Division. Like, I'm not going to disrespect the champions. Um, I'm going to go with the champions. I know they have to replace Amir Hall, and I get it. But, I mean, even before Amir Hall, I mean, they had some pretty good quarterbacks. Um, It's a system there in Bowie. You know, obviously they have a good receiver in Montez Clay, a good offensive line that comes back. But I think where the Bulldogs are going to get it done this year is going to be on the defensive side of the football. I'm interested to see what Joshua Pryor does. As a freshman last year, he was a box to row. Uh, All-American, and I'm interested to see what his sophomore year is going to be, uh, what that's going to look like. Sometimes from year one to year two, if you, especially if you have a really good freshman year, uh, you know, maybe not so much as a, a sophomore, but I don't think that's going to be the case with Joshua Pryor. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go against the champions. I'm going to go with Bowie State at number two. I am going to go with Virginia Union. Um, you know, I think when you have Tabius Taylor back um, at the running back and that guy led all HBCU running backs in rushing last year, he was simply fabulous with the football. He's got a couple more years remaining. I really like what Alvin Parker, the head football coach, is building there at Virginia Union. I mean, he's building a strong, strong program. I mean, that was a program that was a game away from making the playoffs, or a game away from playing in the CIAA um, championship last year and probably deserved a, uh, a an at-large berth in the playoffs. That Northern Division is extremely tough, and I do like Virginia Union at number two. You know, I, I really like with Chowan. I, I want to – I think from a talent perspective, and I think when you look at – Chawan from an offensive perspective they've got the best offense in the CIAA coming back you got Bryce Witt phenomenal season last year quarterback he comes back Tyrell Freeman one of the top rushers in the uh, in the CIAA he comes back next year I think that's going to be an offensive juggernaut and I think when you're talking about one more year with those particularly with those two guys I mean I think the sky is the limit from an offensive perspective, and by the way, they were absolutely tremendous offensively last year, number one in the CIAA. Where I'm not sure about Chawan, where and where I haven't been sure about Chawan for a number of years is on the defensive side of the football. What is that defense going to look like? I think if the defense, and I, you know, I think I said this a couple of years ago. I think if the defense is, you know, even 10% better this year than it was last year. It's going to be hard to beat Chawan. I mean, with that offense, they can outscore you. But, I mean, they scored a lot of points last year and lost a lot of games, even when scoring a lot of points, because they couldn't stop the opposition. They were sort of, not in cruise control, but they controlled their own destiny in the second half of the season and uh, couldn't get it done on last year. So I'm interested to see what Chawan is going to be able to do. I'm not going to write Virginia State off They've got a star quarterback coming back in uh, Corderial Cook. You know, you give yourself a chance with that guy. 
and um, he was part of that CIAA championship uh, team two years ago. So he's a guy that's got some experience. And, you know, Virginia State, I think, is going to be right there in contention. Um, I think with Elizabeth City State, I, I would have them at number five. I think that they'll be improved. You know, Anthony Jones came in in May of last year trying to get a football program together. He's a proven winner. He got a lot done at Alabama A&M, um, some good records. And I think that he'll turn things around. But now, this year they're not going to be at the top of the Northern Division. And then Lincoln um, has really, really struggled um, over – really since coming into the CIAA, Lincoln – uh, has struggled, and I, I think the struggles, unfortunately, are going to continue in 2019 for the Lions. In the Southern Division, I think the Southern Division is up for grabs a little bit more this year. Uh, I think with Fayetteville State, they're the two-time defending Southern Division champions. you got to respect that. they got a good running back coming back in Stevie Green. That guy is really, really good. As a matter of fact, Stevie Green may be maybe the best running back uh, was certainly one of the the top three or four running backs over a three-year period or the last three years in the CIAA. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He he was sort of overshadowed last year simply because you had so many running backs in the CIAA last year. He was a little bit overshadowed. Um, Fayetteville State, I think they're going to be better defensively this year. Um, Winston-Salem State, uh, I would have them, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Robert Massey comes as, in as the interim head football coach. Um, he's going to make some changes. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm looking at the predicted order of finish. Um, I, I'm not going to go with Winston-Salem State at number two. I'm going to go with Shaw um, at number two. I mean, I think um, when you got a, a linebacker like Devin Hunt, who is, a, who is really a game changer on defense, he's going to make – the entire defense a lot better. I think uh, that the Bears have some uh, some some weapons on the offensive side of the football. And look um, and look what they did last year—a five and five record. They were actually five and four when the regular season, if you will, sort of ended. But they, they and and Chowan played a game. Uh, I believe it was the Thursday before the CIAA championship game. Chowan won that football game. But I like Shaw. I like the improvement that they had in 2018. I'm going to go with the Bears at number two. At number three, I'm going to go with Winston-Salem State there. Uh, they, they they got some work to do. Um, but, you know, the, the Rams are talented. I mean, there's no question about that. And, you know, they, they, they're a talented football team, no doubt about it. Um, but I, I, I like, you know, again, the Rams at number three. St. Augustine's, I like them at number four. I They have a young football team. Don't be surprised if you see St. Augustine's by the time the season ends at the upper echelon of the Southern Division, they took a, a bit of a step backwards, not necessarily with respect to the program. I just think they had a lot of young guys last year, um, a lot of young, talented guys last year that are going to be even better. They didn't know what they were doing, so now they know what they're doing. Uh, they're going to be improved. Um, and, and just because I have them fourth doesn't mean um, that <laughs> – Southern Division, Northern Division is right, okay? The Southern Division is pretty good, too. That's just a function of trying to place teams, and St. Augustine's just happens to be the fourth team, in my opinion. Livingstone at number five, Johnson C. Smith at number six. Uh, Livingstone may be a little bit improved. They got a really good quarterback. The quarterback play is going to be key. 
I think they are going to be improved in 2019. Johnson C. Smith, this is a year for Kermit Blunt. He's made a lot of changes on his staff, um, and this is a year you may see them improve, but in terms of being you know, top three, I just don't see it with respect to the Golden Bulls. Your thoughts on the CIAA, hit me up via Twitter, BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. A look here at the SIAC in the East. I like Morehouse. I, I think, you know, Michael Sims comes back. Uh, certainly Santo Dunn, the running back, comes back. You saw what they were able to do against Alabama A&M. They got to shore up that defense uh, a little bit. They had the collapse. They started out 7-0. and um, and well, they started out six and zero, finished the season seven and three. So they collapsed towards the end. But I don't think you'll see that again this year. And Rich Freeman has done a tremendous job as the head coach. Albany State, I got them at number two. Um, Albany State's going to have a good team. Uh, they played in the SIAC championship game last year. I, I like, you know, I like what they're doing there uh, in Albany. Benedict uh, at number three. Defense is going to be tight. That's Mike White's calling card. They need to get a little bit more offense. I think if they get, uh, you know, a little bit more offense to match what they have defensively, boy, I mean, Benedict would, would definitely be the team to beat. Um, I, you know, um, I, I'm going with Clark Atlanta um, at number four. Um, actually, I'm going to go with Savannah State at number four. I think they still have quite a few players from last year, um, FCS type of players. They got, Still, you know, they still probably are. I don't know if they're maxed out at scholarships, but they probably are. The most you can get in Division Two is 36, so they they probably have close to that. So they're they're going to outlast a lot of people. Clark Atlanta has a new coach. I like them at number five, and then Fort Valley State I have um, at number six this year. Um, in the Western Division, whoo, um, yeah, you know, I, I you know, this is not the year for Miles. Miles does it like every other year. I'm going to go with Tuskegee back at the top uh, this year. Willie Slater's gotten it done. He's rebounding. He's going to rebound once again. I like Central State at number two. Watch out for Central State. Five and five last year. If you don't know the name Kevin Greenhow, the wide receiver for Central State, you're going to know that name. That guy is absolutely tremendous. I like what Central State is doing and building their program. Miles at number three for me. Um, Lane at number four. Um, Kentucky State's got a really, really good coach. Charlie Jackson, more recently an assistant coach with the Atlanta Falcons, really was impressed with him at SIAC Media Day. I don't think he can come in, you know, and turn that program around right right away but i think he's got uh he's gonna he's gonna eventually get the program going up next here on from the press box to press row national football league talk with usa today columnist jared bell let's continue here on from the press box to press row talk in national football league as the season has already opened up as a matter of fact and uh the the biggest part of the season is this uh sunday as a matter of fact and on the line we are joined by USA Today NFL columnist Jared Bell, no stranger to the program, joins us here. I'm from the press box to press row. What's going on, Jared? Oh, Donald, uh, getting ready to get this thing started, man. It's always good to hear your voice and come on with you, man. But I'm excited. It's another football season. And, you know, we got Ezekiel Elliott back with the Cowboys. <laughs> Still a couple guys uh, trying to work out some deals. But, you know, Bill Parcells used to always say, you know, when it's football season, football players play. Right. So, count Ezekiel Elliott in that mix for the Dallas Cowboys. 
Yeah, you know my I, this is the this is my thing. Like, okay, so he gets the deal, six years, um, ninety million, fifty million guaranteed. And I mean, my my thing was always, you know, he he definitely I, I get it. He's still within the rookie deal, three years in the league. He should definitely be paid because to me, um, it's 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 him with that offense. Like Dak Prescott is all right, but but Zeke makes him better. So tell us how we even ultimately got to the point where he got what he was looking for as the highest paid uh, uh, running back in the National Football League? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great question when you start talking about the timing of everything because, like you said, he had two years left, and the deal he cut with the Cowboys was an extension, really. So you, you add on these years to those last the, the two years remaining. But, um, you know, running backs are – so devalued in the NFL, and it's a shame because you see mediocre quarterbacks getting twice as much as Zeke had to hold out for, right? And so when you talk about, you know, what the real value is for these guys, it's a shame that they don't get valued as much. So when you talk about how it got to that number, he had to be the highest paid running back in the NFL, right? That was kind of his thing. And there'll be another guy at some point who will surpass him. But for right now, he's at the top of the chart. Well, Todd Gurley was at the top of that chart last summer at $14 million and some change. And then Le'Veon Bell sat out the year and went the free agent route and went to the Jets. But he did not top Todd Gurley's number. So that made it a little bit more difficult for Ezekiel Elliott and his group really just because you're negotiating off of Todd Gurley's number. Now, had Le'Veon Bell gone out last year and gotten, say, $16 million or $15 million, then the next guy that comes along is going to be able to top that. So um, that was one of the factors. But the other factor is this that, you know, when you're a running back, you know, your shelf life is – so limited. I mean, we can never predict if somebody's going to, you know, last as long as Emmett Smith, but most running backs don't. Okay, that was Emmett Smith, and he had a different style that was conducive to to him lasting. But for a lot of running backs that take a lot of hits on every play uh and even, you know, picking up the blitzes, taking hits and catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, it's a tremendous, you know, strain on the body and you don't know how long it's going to last. So um, I think the thinking for Zeke was, hey, if I'm going to get it, get it now. And even if it's extending it and you're still playing out these next two years on your original contract, you've got $50 million guaranteed. Yeah. That is the real big number because that topped Ty Gurley's guarantee, which was, I think, $45 million. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know that uh, Elliott is the best running back in the league. I do know that he can make an argument as such because, again, to me – you know Prescott's okay, but he's he's not. You know he's all right, but but Elliott makes him better. So what what was so you you covered Dallas for a, a number of years. You know what, what was the deal? Why did Jerry Jones ultimately come around when it didn't look like he was in the very beginning? Well, I think the the talk from Jerry Jones was really pretty much positive. Okay, I think he knows. Um, everybody knows that Ezekiel Elliott is the engine of that offense. And that's an interesting point you bring up because with most offenses, it really does revolve around the quarterback, especially in 
today's football with all the passing and all the points and uh, obviously all the rules favoring, you know, the quarterbacks and the passing game. So you could go around the league, and that's pretty much the deal. It starts with the quarterback. Well, with the Cowboys, that offense is really built around Ezekiel Elliott. This was part of their transition after, you know, moving on from Tony Romo, to tell you the truth, because they were, a, you know, a passing team. And, and then they, I think they just came to the realization that, hey, this worked for us back in the Emmitt Smith days. Now, you've got to have balance. You've got to have a quarterback, you know, breaking receiver and all of that stuff. But the Cowboys invested so much, and I'm talking about offensive line primarily, to build a team that could run the ball down your throat. And they wound up getting the back, the perfect back to do that with Ezekiel Elliott when they're picking like fourth in the draft. So that's the model the Cowboys have gone with. Now, Dak Prescott has been a really good quarterback for them, especially as a fourth-round pick, right? And I'll say he's played much better than Jared Goff. He's been much better than Carson Wentz. Both of those guys got big deals, Goff this week, um, and, and Carson Wentz's earlier this year, over $30 million a year, right? They don't, <laughs> that, That's going to make it real tough for the Cowboys to get Dak Prescott signed at a number that they like. But they're going to have to, you know, hammer that one out. But the point being – this offense is really built in this team around Ezekiel Elliott. And when he's not there, the Cowboys are just a shell of themselves. Yeah. That the voice of Jarrett Bell, NFL columnist with USA Today. Follow him on Twitter at Jarrett Bell. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Speaking about another running back, uh, Jarrett, Melvin Gordon with, with the Chargers. So, I mean, I, I mean, I can understand, I can sort of understand where he's coming from like he's not definitely not one of the I mean he's not the best running back in the league he wants to be paid that way but from a continuity standpoint I think he has some leverage um because the Chargers were really really good last year especially offensively Phillip Rivers getting into his latter years so where are we sort of with with Melvin Gordon in his situation yeah you know they they've been offering him about 10 million dollars a year on a new deal right which I think is it's pretty fair. Now, yes. you can go up or down another couple million maybe, and I think Gordon's camp is looking for like $13 million. They're not looking to be the highest paid running back in the NFL, so they're not looking to top Ezekiel, and they don't even have to top Gurley and Le'Veon Bell, but they do want to top the $13 million that David Johnson got from the Arizona Cardinals. But look at it this way too, Donald, um, and that's not it's not an outlandish request at all okay so i think that's a good number for them to target right the chargers came in at 10 million he's due to make about oh i forget how much this year maybe five million or something like that but i mean it would be a big raise but you know uh the difference between 10 and 13 especially if you're talking about you know extending it out over like four years and you talk about the risk of a running back you know you could think that you know, you've got four years and you might only have one year because, you know, running backs just take such a pounding. So, again, in his case, it's like get it now or else. But the tricky thing, too, in this case, as with Ezekiel Elliott, is that these were first-round picks and the teams exercised the fifth-year option. So if you exercise, which they can do under the CBA terms for a first-round pick. So if you lock down a player for five years on his rookie contract, 
then you've got the option as the team to franchise tag him if you want to. You can really have him for seven years before he hits the free agent market. That is such an unfair disadvantage for players to deal with. And I think when we talk about these next um, negotiations between the NFL and the NFL Players Union, the unions better really you know, swing hard at getting that fifth-year option released because when you got that plus the franchise tag, you know, guys, it may not last seven years to, to hit the free agent market. Um, all that said, as it relates to, to Melvin Gordon, um, I talked to his agent about a week ago, and, and, you know, he was on the record saying, hey, if it doesn't work out with the Chargers, we do want to trade, and we're open to a trade. And the Chargers said, okay, you've got permission to seek a trade. We want a first-round pick. Well, nobody's going to give a first-round pick for Melvin Gordon and and plus pay him what he wants, which, like I said, is probably around $13 million a year. So it's probably back to square one with the Chargers, and I don't know where that's going in terms of, you know, really getting his number. But it's not an outlandish number to say $13 million. So hopefully they'll be able to, you know, you know have a meeting of the minds and, and have some kind of compromise because he is a good player, and as you mentioned, he's key to – you know, that machine that they have in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Jared Bell, USA Today NFL columnist, joins us here on the program. Speaking of extensions, Jared Goff, you know, gets one uh, uh, with uh, with the Rams. And, you know, reportedly, we're, what, $107.9 million guaranteed? <laughs> Yeah, what what are your thoughts on? I I don't did you did you see that coming? I I don't remember them talking about an extension that would would sort of happen uh, this soon. Yeah, I didn't see this one coming the way it came down. To tell you the truth, and one of the reasons being that fifth year option, um, just like with Ezekiel Elliott um, and the Cowboys, they had two years left with Jared Goff, so there was no rush to do this. Right now. You go beyond that, and I think bottom line, regardless of the timing, they overpaid for Jared Goff. Um, you know, Russell Wilson is the highest paid player in the NFL at $35 million a year. I don't think, you know, you can argue that unless you want to say, well, Tom Brady deserves the most. You can make that argument, and, and Brady's in a different category because his wife is worth, you know, hundreds of millions <laughs> of dollars, right? So Brady ranks at, like, 12th or 13th among quarterbacks at like a measly $23 million a year, right? Right. But you've got all these guys in this $30 million club, and some of them don't belong. Aaron Rodgers, no problem, okay? You can pay him that money. Ben Roethlisberger, he's in a $30 million club. Yeah, okay, I, I can I can see that. And like I said, Russell Wilson deserves to be there too when you look at his production. Hasn't had a losing season yet, won a Super Bowl, been to two. Took him to the playoffs last year when nobody expected it. All of that. So Russell Wilson, okay. But when you start talking about Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, and obviously, you know, going back to last year with Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, you've got these mediocre quarterbacks that have really just raised that bar to the point that it's just ridiculous. Now, they're paying Jared Goff on potential because, yeah, he did get him to the Super Bowl, but you think about the Rams – and Jared Goff, and, you know, he's got a – I think he should give Sean McVay a cut of that check <laughs> because Sean McVay came in there and really turned it around for him, which is what a good coach is supposed to do. But um, point being, Jared Goff does not rank with 
those other guys that are in that $30 million club, like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. So it's going to make it tough for the Cowboys now to get a deal done with Dak Prescott at a number that they like because um, all he's got to do is say, hey, look at what Jared Goff got. You know, I've got to be right in that neighborhood. So that's that $30 million club for, for Dak Prescott. And then when you talk about Ezekiel Elliott and you talk about the Cowboys and who's worth what to whom, boy, it, it looks like Dak Prescott is going to get double what Ezekiel Elliott got. And just put your arms around that for a minute. Whew. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter at Jarrett Bell. Uh, always gracious enough to join us here on from the press box to press row and talk some NFL. Check him out also online at usatoday.com. Jarrett, we appreciate the time, man. We'll uh, look forward to talking with you at uh, some point this season. Let's do it. I appreciate it, my brother. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Jarrett Bell coming on from the press box to press row. Darius Leonard is up next. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row, the biggest names, our guests on Box to Row. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. You know what this is. This is the one and only Eagle Double G. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey, man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and Sports, say hey, my favorite three topics. Hey, say what's happening, man? It's TIP, man. Hello, this is Aretha Franklin, Queen of Soul. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.botchtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row, real, relevant radio. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. So far on the program, we talked opening week of the HBCU football season. We talked SIAC and CIAA previewed the conferences. Also in the last segment, was joined by USA Today NFL columnist Jarrett Bell. A couple of weeks ago, I had a chance to catch up with Darius Leonard, National Football League Defensive Player of the Year, formerly of South Carolina State, now with the Indianapolis Colts, and talked with him uh, about the Colts season. Obviously, this was prior to Andrew Luck retiring, but at the time, um, this is what Darius Leonard had to say, and you oh, I should say you'll hear what Darius Leonard had to say about the progression at that time of De- of of Andrew Luck, who at that time was just injured. I mean, we just uh, talk about getting better day in and day out, and I think that uh, 
that's what that's what we're doing, and I, I see it day in and day out. How's it coming out in the pack of the day? A lot has been made about Andrew Luck's injury and so forth, but how are you guys able to sort of keep that distraction away and focus on what you're trying to get accomplished? Um, we we always have laser focus. We don't we don't think about any negative stuff. We just go out of control what we can control. That's going out and competing day in and day out, and uh, that's what we do. Yeah, no question about it. Your thoughts on the 2018 season? Uh, I think, man, uh, I think we started off pretty rough, but then we got everything going. Uh, we bought into the process, and uh, we, we looked to build off uh, what we did last year, and hopefully we can continue to have some success. How did you continue to grow as a player with the coach last year? Be, being like a sponge, soaking up every single thing that the coach is telling me day in and day out, being willing to uh, come out of work and compete every single day, and on Sundays I uh, just go out and just try to compete. Yeah, it's no question about that. You were really able to get that accomplished. Talk about how the game and even how really training camp uh, to this point has sort of slowed down uh, for you from last year. Um, it's just coming in now, like knowing knowing the playbook and um, knowing knowing what's, what's going on in practice and knowing how teams are going to come in and try to try to attack me so I feel I feel good knowing everything and knowing the concept of all the stuff that we're doing no doubt about it that the voice of Darius Leonard starting linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts the reigning National Football League rookie of the year he joins us here on from the press box to press row and isn't it mostly Darius about the confidence that you had and the confidence being built each week week in and week out for you that enables you to and, and really enabled you to excel last year? Oh, man, it's, it's not about confidence. It's, it's really about just trusting what you're doing and going in and trying to compete day in and day out. You can't go in overconfident because that's when you get it too big head. So you just got to go in, trust what you're doing, and uh, go out and just try to make a play. You had a great career at South Carolina State. If you – Talk about all the great defensive players that have come through South Carolina State. You're amongst the greatest, the leading tackler um, at South Carolina State. A lot of, you know, obviously you, you know, had some big games. You have the 18 tackle performance against Clemson in your junior year. Did you know that you were going to have the type of success that you ultimately had as a rookie last year? No, nah, not at all. Um, I definitely didn't think I was going to have the success that I had uh, coming in at 2018. So why? Why did you have such a successful rookie campaign in 2018? I'm just trusting trusting what I was doing and uh, trusting the game plan and playing with a great group of guys. And they kept me free all, all, all season long and allowed me to uh, run around and play. Talk about this team and the expectations for 2019. A young team, a, a team that is on the rise and uh, really has Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, we just always talk about being one and no out these days and getting 1% better day in and day out. And um, that's, that's what we do, man. So we're going to come in, have laser eye focus, and try to uh, keep competing and keep going on. I know we talked to you early on uh, in last season. Can you speak to being able to have that balance? And you talked a little bit about that last year in terms of married life, which is sort of new to you, and then you being able to play football at the highest level. I mean, it's simple. I mean, once once I'm at once I'm at a facility, it's football, football, football. But once 
I go home, I'm I'm a family man, so I got to be a loving husband, a, lo- a loving uh, father. So it's so easy to kind of separate the two because once I'm at the other place, the other one go out the window. What is fatherhood like? It's great, man. I mean, it's, it's much more than I expected. So, I mean, I'm loving it. I'm learning day in and day out how to how to be a loving loving father and being, being able to be there to support her and uh, give her everything she needs in life. Darius Leonard joins us here on the program. How did you get the name Maniac? I'm coming after uh, my junior year playing against Clemson. Uh, coming on uh, coming on the campus, they said I'll play like a straight Maniac, and I kind of went from there um, after someone said it, and I just kept the name and ran with it. You know, you look at uh, some guys in the league that played at HBCU, so you look at Tariq Cohen and what he's doing with the Bears. You look at your former teammate, uh, Javon Hargrave, and what he's doing with Pittsburgh, and now um, what you're doing. What does it mean to you to be part, to have gone to an HBCU and be part of that elite group? I'm very proud, man, especially, um, you know, coming from HBCU where people say that there's no such thing as guys uh, coming out of HBCU and being good in the NFL, so we coming out. We we're proving everybody wrong. Especially you see it with Hargrave, you see it with Joe Thomas, you see it with all the all the HBCU guys, and then Tariq Cohen going to the Pro Bowl last year from HBCU. So it's letting you know, no matter where you go, HBCU guys are putting putting guys in the league, and we're making a we're making a stamp on it. Is this what you sort of envisioned in, in terms of coming into South Carolina State? Um, because if you look at it back in the day, wasn't there a lot of choices in terms of schools we had to go to. You almost had to go to an HBCU. But is this what you envisioned coming into South Carolina State some now six years ago and having that success to be able to play in the National Football League? Yeah. Oh, man, honestly, man, coming into South Carolina State, man, I, I didn't have any visions of the NFL, honestly. Man. I was just coming in, just competing and trying to get my degree. And then maybe year, year three, year four, that's when my, my vision got bigger, and that's when I started looking up for the NFL. Yeah, doesn't that make it more satisfying? Because your initial thought was to come in and get that degree, and now look where you are. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what um, I wanted to come in and do, uh, just come in, do everything I could for the Bulldogs, you know, give, it, give them my all day in and day out, and let them know that they didn't, they didn't have a fluke on uh, giving me a scholarship, and I wanted to prove that I can play at any level. Yeah, do you guys, it's a couple of you guys that came from HBCUs, Chester Rogers from Grambling, Grover Stewart from Albany State. Do you guys have that really, that HBCU camaraderie? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, especially me and Chester, you know, both playing the act and the swag and uh, going against each other, just talking. So we, we always talk trash. I mean, I always think that MEAC has the best athletes, which is absolutely true. I mean, we got the best quarterbacks, best athletes, best skill guys. So I tell them that's one thing that made me so great playing against great skills out there in open field. That's what made my tackling great. So I always, always say HBCU got the best guys. <laughs> Sounds like some trash talking, man. So how does he defend the swag? Oh, man, we, man, I'll tell him that the swag, you know, you don't always say, man, to me, I can way better than the swag. <laughs> you know, that's how it goes. So, I mean, he, he always say that we, we, we can't beat them. So, I mean, it's always competition. You know how it is. And, in the bowl game in Atlanta, so we always talk trash to each other. Yeah, no doubt. Lastly, man, what are some of your fondest memories of South Carolina State? I want to say, um, my my memories, man, definitely pleasure to you, you know, and then stepping stepping on that field every every Saturday for the Bulldogs, and, and having having the stands and they're rocking and just playing playing for that Bulldog family. Follow him on Twitter at dsleon45. He is Darius Leonard, formerly of South Carolina State, the reigning 
National Football League Rookie of the Year. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Darius, we appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Colts this season. Yes, sir. Thank you. Darius Leonard joining us on From the Press Box to Press Row. Before we get out of here again, don't forget to log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. We have the scoreboard up. We have all of the games from Thursday, and uh, we update the scoreboard after the games on Saturday. BoxToRow.com, BoxToRow.com for the scoreboard. Don't forget, on Monday afternoon, we also release the Box2Row coaches and media polls. Box2Row coaches and media polls are released each and every Monday afternoon. Want to thank today here on From the Press Box to Press Row for coming on the program USA Today, USA Today NFL columnist Jared Bell for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Big shots out to Darius Leonard as well. The National Football League uh, kicks things off. Uh, the bulk of the games, we of course had the Bears and the Packers, but the bulk of the games are happening on this Sunday. Very much looking forward to that. I'm going to be in Durham at Wallace Wade Stadium for the game between A&T and Duke. It's the first time the two teams um, have met. Looking forward to calling the game um, as the play-by-play voice for North Carolina A&T football. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game and, and really seeing um, what the Aggies can do against a, 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 a team that's in a Power 5 conference. And the Aggies, remember, the last three years – have defeated FBS opponents the last three years. So we'll see what happens on Saturday at Wallace Wade Stadium. Looking forward to that. Have a good time at the game that you're going to be at. And don't forget to listen to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast Monday through Friday. Download or listen to the podcast at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that Support you from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. I complained that I had no shoes, but then I saw a man who had no feet to use, and I'm blessed, blessed, better than blessed. I've got no mind to complain at any time.